Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites as bad. My name is Bill, this is episode 31. Thanks for being here. Another week is coming on, guys. How's it been? Looking at the news tonight, jumping right into the show, leaping, hopping if you will, which will make more sense later, that's called foreshadowing, uh, hopping right into the show, Looking at the mailbag, I see that we've gotten another message from our buddy Sean, friend of the show, and one of the hosts of the fine, fine podcast, Pie Factory, which you should drop everything and listen to right now, after this one. Uh, Sean posted a comment on the Atari Bytes Facebook page, which you can do also, regarding episode 29, Jungle Hunt. He had some thoughts about the history of the Jungle Hunt arcade game. Now... I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I played a fair number of arcade games as a kid. You know, it, it, every once in a while, a local arcade would pop up in my hometown and stick around for a while. Um, or I'd go to the pizza place, or occasionally, you know, like on a weekend, we'd run up. Uh, I lived in northern Iowa as a kid. Uh, we'd run up to Minnesota and go to Showbiz Pizza, which is kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese, uh, and play games there, and that was always fun. So I did that a fair amount, but sadly, I don't really have the history of the games in my brain the way that a lot of you listeners probably do. So I appreciate it when folks like Sean chime in every once in a while to kind of fill in some of the uh, gaps in my knowledge. So Sean writes, Enjoyed this one as usual. Unless I missed it while I was busy drumbling at the Chicago Park District blocking the bike trail. I'm surprised you didn't mention the arcade Jungle Hunt, which was originally named Jungle King, and that your character was Tarzan. Why was the name changed? Long story short, lawyers. Given my limited access to arcades in 1983, to this day I've never seen an actual Jungle Hunt machine. Just Jungle King. So, I didn't know that. I don't think I remember ever playing Jungle Hunt, or Jungle King for that matter, in an arcade. Though, now I'm intrigued to go find one. So, thanks for that, Sean. Yet again, you have given me something to do, which I can't go out and do right now. Oh well. Also from the mailbag, and also from Sean, he had thoughts about episode 30, Popeye. My co-host and my kid, Henry and I, were talking about, in that episode, why sometimes the villain in the Popeye cartoons is called Bluto, and sometimes he's called Brutus. Sean, and it shouldn't surprise me by this point, had some information about that too. I love it when you have your kids on the show, because, as I said, Henry co-hosted for that episode. Surely it proves the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's very true. My wife frequently refers to Henry as a mini-me, and I've yet to figure out if she's saying that in a good way or a bad way. Maybe better not to poke that particular avenue of thought to mix a couple metaphors. Regarding the Bluto versus Brutus thing, Sean writes, Actually, they're two different characters. Sean, by the way, blew my mind with this information. Bluto equals a very muscular sailor and was friend of, and sometimes boyfriend, of olive oil. Brutus equals obese, as in not muscular, and just a general troublemaker who antagonizes both Popeye and Olive, and is not a sailor. I like how he makes that very clear. We don't want to impugn our fine members of the naval branch of the armed forces. That's me talking, by the way, not Sean. Although I assume he doesn't want to impugn any naval officers either. 
Long story short, the reason that in some of the Popeye cartoons the antagonist's name is Brutus, the folks who were doing the Popeye cartoons at the time, for some reason, thought that they didn't have the legal right to use Bluto. Oh, lawyers again! That's me. So they made up Brutus to replace him. Of course they were mistaken and could have used Bluto all along. The video game Popeye is based on the Brutus cartoons, which also have the sea hag. And then he provides a link for more info to a piece on straightdope.com. Is Popeye's nemesis named Bluto or Brutus? I will include a link to that in the show notes because it was an interesting piece to read. And once again, as always, I thank Sean and I curse the name of lawyers, not their specific names. That would take too long. There's lots of them. But, man, lawyers just mess up everything. But that's depressing, so let's move on to other news. Atari Movie Update. In this week's Atari Movie Update, there is no Atari Movie Update. I don't have any new information about the films. I'm not busy writing either one of them, I can tell you that. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I don't really have any more news at this point, but I am just kind of feeling good about other retro gaming things that I've heard lately. There's a new Atari Flashback, number 7, coming. New Atari handheld games, Nintendo handheld games. New podcasts popping up all the time. You know, a year ago at this time, Atari Bytes didn't exist. It's just a really good time. Just feeling really good about retro gaming at the moment. And I hope all you guys are too. Pretty much retro anything right now seems to be the thing. You know, we had Ghostbusters and Star Trek. Uh, Those franchises are... coming back and at war have never left uh doctor who of course one of my favorites it seems like a lot of the stuff that i liked as a kid is cool again and it kind of makes me wonder the stuff that my kids like what of those things will still be around in, or make a resurgence in 20 30 40 years i don't know but i'm enjoying things right now so that's good all right well enough of this uh maudlin sort of self-congratulatory, yay, Gen Xers are awesome stuff. We have a game to talk about. This week's game is... Frogger, 1982, from Parker Brothers. I probably don't have to read the manual for you guys. I think you probably all pretty much know what Frogger is, but I'm contractually bound. Ugh, lawyers. To do so. So, here we go. Leap and Frogger. Home may look like it's only a hop, skip, and a jump away, but looks can be deceiving. First, there's a dangerous highway to hop across, full of fast-moving cars and trucks. Then there's a swirling river to leap, full of frog-eating creatures. How's Frogger going to get home safely? By letting you hop him on his way. Guide Frogger safely through this perilous journey, and you'll jump for joy. The object of the game is to hop as many frogs to safety as you can and to score the most points along the way. Then it tells you, as it always does, how to set the console controls. There is a game select switch. I'm not really sure what that does for you. I guess maybe basically choosing between one player and two player games. Set the difficulty switch. Position A, you'll lose Frogger if he's carried off screen on a a floating object. Position B, Frogger can be carried safely off screen on a floating object. He'll then reappear on the other side of the screen so you can continue play. However, Frogger can't hop off-screen. I believe in the field report, you'll find that I played in position A, where you lose Frogger if you try to wrap around, try to go off-screen. The joystick controllers, 
make sure that you plug the joystick controllers for only into the jacks at the back of your video you can't talk all of a sudden at the back of your video system use the left controller joystick for one player games steady are they gonna say it no they're not they're not gonna tell me how to hold the controller I'm gonna be very confused oh well I guess we're on our own for that part playing this illustration which all of you in audio podcast land can't see shows the journey Frogger has to make from sidewalk to home bay there's there are home bays four of them actually five of them the riverbank the sidewalk the time band which tells you how much time you have to get from point A to point B and how many remaining frogs you have you'll start the game with five frogs the first frog is shown on the sidewalk below the traffic the remaining frogs are shown as white squares on the lower left hand corner of the street you have only 30 seconds to move Frogger from the sidewalk and into a home bay one of the blue open-ended squares at the top of the screen. In my experience, 30 seconds is plenty of time. Time is monitored by the time band, the black line located in the lower right-hand corner of the screen. When you have only 5 seconds left to get Frogger into a home bay, you'll hear a warning sound and see the line turn red. If you run out of time before you get Frogger home, you'll lose him. When this happens, you hear a splooch sound and see a green X where Frogger was when he ran when his time ran out. That's how I hope to go out, too. A splooch sound and a big green X where I used to be when my time ran out. Yep, that's what I want. From sidewalk to riverbank, Frogger starts his perilous journey on the sidewalk, facing five lanes of cars and trucks. Five seems to be a recurring theme in this game. Quick, literary metaphor people, get on that. What's the symbolism there? When the music stops, you're ready to start Frogger hopping. Try to get Frogger through the lanes of traffic. Traffic travels in alternating directions and at different speeds. I don't know who the urban planner was for this community, but he should be fired. So be careful. Frogger will get splooched if he touches any part of a vehicle or is run over. Because Frogger can't swim in the river, the current is too strong, hop him from one row of logs, turtles, and alligators onto the next in order to cross it. By the way, the turtles in the arcade version look like really kind of awesome, cute, turtles. In the Atari version, they look like blue or red ovals. Logs. Frogger can hop from side to side on a log. He can also jump forward and backward onto another floating object, but he'll land in the river if he leaps to the left or right off a log. Turtles. The red circles that, they're more like ovals, that float on the river are the turtles. Frogger is safe on the backs, on their backs, as well as in the water area between a set of two, a set of them two or three turtles in a row. He can jump forward and backward from a turtle onto another floating object. But he'll land in the river if he jumps to the left or right off either of the end turtles. Diving turtles. These tricky turtles can float on the water and dive under the water. When they're red, it's safe for Frogger to jump on their backs. But once they turn light blue, watch out. That means they're getting ready to dive. So hop Frogger onto another floating object fast. If you're not quick enough, Frogger will get splooched. They're really big on this word, splooched, which, I gotta be asked, I'm not even entirely sure that it is a word. But these turtles can't stay underwater forever. When you see a set of light blue turtles suddenly appear on the screen, this means they're coming up for air. They'll soon be changing from light blue to red, so Frogger will be safe on their backs until they dive again. While crossing the river, here are some other things to watch for. Lady Frog. Occasionally you'll see a white lady frog hopping frantically along a log. 
If you have Frogger onto the log to rescue her and take her home, you'll score bonus points. Just hop Frogger close enough to her so she'll jump onto his back. You hear a high-pitched sound when she does. Now try to get Frogger and Lady Frog home to safety. And I think that perhaps is enough said about that little interlude. Alligators. Alligators swim among the logs from time to time. You'll see them snapping their jaws open and close, just waiting for a tender frogger morsel to jump their way. Frogger is safe on an alligator's tail and back, but Frogger is a goner if he jumps into its jaws. You don't have to tell me, says Pitfall Harry from inside an alligator. Floating off screen. Frogger gets splooched in difficulty position A if he's carried off screen on a log, turtle, or alligator. This doesn't happen in difficulty position B. Snakes. Snakes will appear on the riverbank and logs as the game gets more difficult. You can hop Frogger onto a snake's back, but he'll get splooched if he hops too close to a snake's mouth. From river to home bay. Successfully hop Frogger into a home bay and he's safe and sound. You'll score points each time you bring Frogger home and get bonus points each time you bring five frogs home. When leaping Frogger into its home bay, here are some things to watch for. Jumping home. Hop Frogger into a home bay when he's directly in front of it. If Frogger hits any part of the green shrubbery on the sides of the home bay, he'll land in the river. Frogger can't jump into a home bay that's occupied by another frog. I assume he would feel differently if it was a lady frog. Anyway, alligator's head. If an alligator's head is showing in a home bay, it's not safe for Frogger to jump in. However, if the head is just beginning to surface, Frogger won't be harmed. Which seems weird to me, but alright. I guess I'll trust you, anonymous, surely not frog-hating instruction manual writer. Fly. If you hop Frogger into a home bay while a fly is showing, Frogger gets a free meal, and you score extra points. Each time you bring five frogs home, you'll hear a short tune, then the game will continue at a more difficult game level with your remaining frogs. The traffic will be more difficult to cross, there will be fewer floating objects on the river, and the speed of these floating objects will vary from fast to slow. Frogger-eating snakes will also appear on the riverbank and, in progressively more difficult levels, on the logs. The game ends when no frogs are left, and then it tells you how to play again, which basically amounts to press the red button on your joystick. And that's how you play Frogger. Oh, I guess I could tell you about the points. Games 1, 3, and 5, by the way, are one-player games. 2, 4, and 6 are two-player games. Yeah, and that's about it there. Scoring. Your score is displayed at the top screen, top of the screen throughout the game. Points accumulate as follows. Successfully jumping Frogger forward, 1 point. Successfully jumping Frogger home, 5 points. Successfully jumping five frogs home, 100 points. Taking a lady frog home. Yeah. 20 points. What? That's kind of cheap. Eating a fly. 20 points. Extra points for time left. Two points per set, per remaining session. Every time you score 1,000 points and have fewer than four frogs left, you'll get another frogger. When this happens, you'll see another white square in the lower, lower left-hand corner of the screen. All right. So that's how you play frog. After the break, we leap into the game and hope we don't croak. For generations, all frogs have lived in the shadow of one frog. One frog name has loomed large in the tiny frog-sized consciousness within every lily pad and every swamp. 
in every land. That name is Kermit the Frog. What's so great about Kermit the Frog? What's he ever done? Other than entertain millions of people and attain iconic pop culture status. I'd like to see him live in my neighborhood. Cars and noise and traffic. Sinking logs and snakes and killer crocodiles. Yeah, let's see that pansy come down here. I'll show him. Can he do this? Well, yeah, he probably could do that. Such a jaunty, happy song. But Kermit would love it. This is a busy street. This game just makes me happy. Oops. Except when I fall into the water. It's very colorful. The music is jaunty. It was a game that I played all the time as a kid in the arcade. Um, well, not so much the arcade. But certainly at the pizza place. This and Donkey Kong. So, I have fond associated memories with playing this game. And I like the home version. Uh, like with most of these games, it doesn't really look much like the arcade version. But the play is pretty fun, pretty true, I think, to the arcade version. So I liked it. Lady Frog! Woo! It's a little weird that the f turtles are blue and red. One more to go. Sorry, I meant two more to go. Now one more to go. Lady Frog! Frog is good with the ladies. Ooh, sinking turtles. Quick, quick, quick. Uh-oh. I'm playing on the version of this game where... Ow! where you can't wrap around the screen. Your frog goes splat if you get to the edge of the screen. And it's not working out so good for me. Oh. Only one little froggy left. Maybe frogs have nine lives like cats do. What the heck? Oh, I guess I had one more left. I remember that now. It always fakes you out. Looks like you're out of frogs. You've always got one in the chamber. Even after all the little squares disappear from the bottom of the screen. Ow! I was robbed. I can't stay mad at you, Frogger. That song's so darn happy. Alright, back to you in the studio. So, yeah. I really like Frogger. I have a lot of affection for this game. It's not the most complicated of the Atari games. It might not even be the most fun, necessarily. But I have a lot of good memories associated with the game. It was a go-to, not so much go-to arcade game for me as a kid, but it was a go-to pizza parlor game. Uh, Friday nights, with my friends, or with my parents, or both. I mean, I was a little kid, so... I was out with my friends on a Friday night. Probably parents were there too. We'd go to Happy Joe's. Some of you, depending where you live, might know what Happy Joe's is. A Happy Joe's now, as nice as they are, you know, I'm not impugning Happy Joe's, but Happy Joe's when I was a kid was like blow your mind fun. You could 
stand at a little gate and watch the pizza makers make pizza. They had a little candy shop. There was an ice cream parlor where you could get awesome sundaes with little plastic monkeys on top. Or if my brother was working that night, at least two or three or four little plastic monkeys on top. The pizza was awesome. And one of the best parts was they always had a few arcade games. Frogger definitely. Donkey Kong definitely. I think they had Popeye at one point. And then there would be like a rotating one. Either a rotating one that I, a different one every so often or one that for whatever reason I just didn't play all that much because I know there was, I can see another cabinet in my mind but I can't picture what it was. But Frogger and Donkey Kong and Popeye when it was there were definitely games that I liked to play. So it was just a, a fun night. Oh, and if it was your birthday, that was the best because they gave you a Sunday with a little, that was like in the shape of a little clown and everyone would come out and sing happy birthday and they would, uh, they would have like flashing lights and sirens and stuff and it was, it was if you're like eight it's just awesome so i missed that and so when i think of frogger i think of that stuff the fun times and happy joes so i have a lot of affection for this game as for the game itself the frogger arcade game was a really nice looking game it was colorful and it had cool sounds and it was fun to move your little frog around, and it was just as fun to have him get splooched, in the words of the manual. It was just a good time. The gameplay was challenging, but not so much that you didn't feel like you were getting your quarter's worth, and it was always kind of a little thrill when you heard that weird little, I don't know how to describe it, gear-shifting slash dinging sound when you would finally get Frogger home to the I always call it the lily pad. I guess the manual calls it the home bay. That sound was always cool. The Atari version, the sound is just sort of a little chime, I guess, for, for getting to the home bay. And the other sounds and the colors and stuff, I guess, does an okay job of approximating the, the play of the game. It's pretty good. Colors are off, or totally off, of course, and that's not surprising. But I still like the game probably largely because of the associations I have from my childhood. So, I like this one. I think it's a good one. I would rate it highly for a game to get your kids into your Atari games. My daughter likes this game. My son, Henry, who you've gotten to know fairly well, likes it well enough. I think he gets a little frustrated with Frogger constantly getting splooched on the highway. And I think he likes other games better. But I think for a lot of kids, this would be a good entry point into Atari games. But we're here to talk about not just what we think of this nostalgic little game, but what's actually at stake here. Oh. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but I left the Atari on after recording the field report earlier. And the little music just played, just as a reminder, like, hey, I'm here. Someone should be playing me. So, when I think about what the story of Frogger could be, right? We have nature, we have a frog, we have challenges to this frog's sort of peaceful existence. I try to think about, well, who, who could this guy be? And in my head, I'm thinking of Frogger as a guy. I don't know why I think Frogger necessarily needs to be a boy's name. 
but that's how I picture it. No particular reason. So, who could Frogger be? You know, I'm not sure that Parker Brothers intended this. In fact, I'm quite certain that they did not. But when I think of Frogger and what he was, what he could be, as a, I was going to say as a person, but I guess as an amphibian, here's what I think of. That's right, Looney Tunes fans. Michigan J. Frog. He was an animated cartoon character from the Merry Melodies cartoon One Froggy Evening, which debuted in on December 31st, 1955, written by Michael Maltese and directed by the legendary Chuck Jones. And in the cartoon, Michigan J. Frog is a male frog, wears a top hat, carries a cane, and he sings pop music, ragtime, Tin Pan Alley hits, and other songs from the 19th and 20th centuries. He dances, he does acrobatics, and he basically he's a, an amphibian vaudeville player. He appeared in another cartoon later called Another Froggy Evening, released on October 6, 1995. And if any of you remember the Blink and You'll Miss It WB network that debuted in 2005, he was the mascot for that television network. And he was also the final thing that people watching the WB saw when the WB finally signed off to make way for the CW, which is also gone too. Originally, Michigan J. Frog was called Enrico, but later he got stuck with the name Michigan J. Frog because one of his signature tunes was The Michigan Rag, which was an original song written by Jones, Maltese, and musical director Milt Franklin, and he sings it in the cartoon. Michigan J. Frog's vocals are credited on the Looney Tunes Golden Collection DVD box set as being performed by Bill Roberts, a nightclub, a nightclub entertainer in Los Angeles in the 1950s, who had done other voice work for cartoons. So that's who Michigan J. Frog is. If you weren't already familiar, I would encourage you, highly encourage you, to seek him out. His, his first cartoon, that first cartoon that we mentioned, if I can find the name of it again here. One Froggy Evening. That one's really good. I can I remember that one really well. The other one, Another Froggy Evening, I actually just watched recently. I probably had seen it before, but I didn't really remember it. I just watched it recently on YouTube, and it's okay, I guess. There wasn't really... They didn't really have a whole lot of new area to explore with the premise of Michigan J. Frog, so it's not great, but I really like One Froggy Evening, so go look that out. In fact, you know what? Just go watch a bunch of Looney Tunes cartoons. Trust me, you'll enjoy them. But we're not here to talk about Looney Tunes. We're here to talk about how Frogger becomes the legend that is Michigan J. Frog. Oh, by the way, thanks Wikipedia for all that information that I passed off as my own. 
Before the roar of applause from the stage or the bright lights of Hollywood where the ladies were all about picking up whatever mating call the hot male frogs were putting down, the plump juicy flies were plentiful, and young Michigan J. Frog was just a young frog in the swamp looking for adventure. So travel with us now back in time to a bygone era and look in on a toad-headed, carefree young frog who is clearly hopping places. Alright, so here's the premise of the story. The introduction. Oh, let's back up. Right? This is a story-based podcast, so we gotta know what are the five parts of a story. Any writing teacher in school is going to ask you this question, so I'm asking this question. The five elements of a story are, right, introduction, the rising action, introduction being the premise, the setup, the literally the introduction to who the characters, the setting, and probably the conflict are that's going to play out in the course of the story. The rising action, things are starting to happen to the characters, they're interacting, conflicts are being created, you're getting a, an idea of the shape of the story and what the stakes are going to be. Climax. The peak of the story, right? The ultimate conflict where fortunes of the characters are played out, where their fates are sealed, where the rubber meets the road, if you will. Falling action is the stuff that comes obviously after the climax, the ramifications of whatever that climax was, the after effect, the fallout, that kind of thing. The resolution or denouement, fancy terms for basically the end of the story, how everything gets wrapped up, and what ha- what the final end game for the characters is. So how I envision this young frog story beginning is something like this. As a young tadpole, the oldest of five brothers and sisters, the frog who'd one day become star of stage and screen we know as Michigan J. Frog, was known around the swamp simply as Frogger. Okay, we've got our character, we know our setting, we know that he's got a destiny to become Michigan Michigan J. Frog. Rising action. Frogger loved nothing more than singing, but he loved one thing almost as much, going into town to watch others sing, hopefully without getting stepped on by human dancers with no rhythm. One night he was all set to go catch a show by Clarence Frogman Henry, to whom Frogger naturally assumed he was related, when his mom said, Not tonight, Frogger. You have to babysit. Curses! But the determination not to quit that would one day lead Frogger to fame and fortune, and a nasty cocaine habit, but never mind, compelled them to patch his tadpole siblings into their travel thimbles of water and head out anyway. Alright, so here are the stakes, right? Frogger's got to get to this show. He's been saddled with the babysitting gig. But he's going to go anyway, even though it's a very risky move. Climax. The show was excellent. Frogger's siblings, who cared nothing about music, had a fine time swimming laps in the men's room urinals, skating figure eights on the urinal cakes. But the after-show traffic was murder, almost literally. Frogger's heart pounded inside his chest the way his webbed feet pounded the pavement around those tires, bellowing, It's not easy being green the whole way home. He and his siblings made it, but then little Tad almost became a snake snack on the banks of the river. Frogger scooped him and the others up just in time. They leapt to safety on a passing log, or so they thought. The river current was strong, and Frogger was swept along, only just making the leap to another log, 
before crashing into the invisible dam on either side of the river. His brothers and sisters called out to the passing turtles for help, but Frogger knew they couldn't be trusted. Turtles, he'd often remarked in his later years, are just turtles, with a D for a T. The source of his animosity toward turtles is unknown. Legend has it that it has something to do with Frogger's father losing the family fortune, betting on a hare in a foot race. But that's a story for another time. As Frogger and his brothers and sisters bobbed along, eventually the waters calmed, and one by one, Frogger's family was back home, safe in their home bays, sound asleep on each of their little lily pads. Alright, climax, conflict with nature, conflict with duty to family, it's been resolved, everyone's safe, everyone's home. Falling action. His babysitting obligation fulfilled, Frogger snuck back out to the river and leapt eagerly onto the log where the cutest little frog, whatever that means to a frog, waited for him. It was here in these moments under the stars, crooning to his sweetheart, that Frogger honed the talent we know him and Michi- we know him for, and Michigan J. Frog was born. We're also pretty sure there's lots of froggy loving going on on that log, but let's not dwell on that. Now we come to the end of the story, the resolution or denouement. A short while later, a traveling toad-sized top hat company came through town and Frogger was no more. Almost literally because the toad hat van nearly squashed him. Sorry, squooshed him. Long live Michigan J. Frog. Ever since, we've been treated to stirring melodies like this one. Everybody do the Michigan rag. Everybody likes the Michigan rag. Every name and Jane and Ruth, from Weehawken to Duluth, slide right, glide the Michigan stomp, rump, pump the Michigan jump, pump, pump the Michigan rag. That loving rag. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. To the best of my knowledge, he's never written anything for Michigan J. Frog. You can get Atari Bytes episodes at Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, iTunes, and many other places. Do please hop on over to the audio lily pad of your choice and leave a review so others can find the show in the vast swamp that is the podcatcher bog. You can find show notes at ataribytes.libson.com. Email ataribytes at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the Atari Bytes page on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. You can also support the show financially by visiting our Atari Bytes Patreon page, and by shopping at our Zazzle.com store. Thanks for doing that, by the way. And don't forget, on the 15th of every month, you can get a new episode of my other podcast, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, which is a celebration of all things animated, Charlie, Brown, and Snoopy. Next week on Atari Bytes, Pitfall 2. This time, it's personal. I might have made up that last part, but Pitfall 2 is the game we're playing, and I'm very excited about this. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.
Yeah, Yankee Doodle Andy, mind the music and the stepping with the girls behind me. Yeah, Yankee Doodle Andy, mind the music and the stepping with the girls behind me. 